Hey, welcome to MVP's All Things Considered, where we talk about, well, everything the paranormal encompasses. So you ready? All right, then let's do this. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsor, Yup Gear. Is that Yup Gear? Yup. Ooh, recording in progress. Yeah, I got three ounces of gin in my system. This will be good. All right. And let's go. All right. Welcome back to our podcast, All Things Considered for Season 2. What you're going to be hearing tonight are not EVPs, but rather my co-hosts, Melanie, Joe, Evan, and Tyler. I'm Paul, and tonight we'll be discussing photography and ghost hunting and research. Sounds great. All right. What you got for us? It's it's back. I know, right? I feel like we were all on sabbatical. We were oh my! <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. We it was a break. A break. Right. It was. It Ow. was. So, Paul, what yes. made you pick this topic for this week? This is where most of your circles of investigations and learning, you know, the whole step-by-step process that happens. Everybody that jumps into the field has always got a damn camera. And you know that's a major portion of doing the work when you start out, getting that paranormal ghost photo. Oh, yeah. The holy grail that is really not really the holy grail, right? Oh, shit! A ghost! Right. It's it's a shame, you know. They call them orbs. I don't know about grails, but they like to call them orbs and things like that. Oh, I love orbs, man. I bought this orb detecting powder off of eBay the other day. I, you just fling it into the room and then use your flash and they just light up. It's great. Oh, oh that is that is amazing. And I, I hope that that sells a lot because there are a lot of suckers out there willing to buy it. One, two, three, three. Probably. Yeah. But, uh. All right, so yeah. let's give give us a little, and for our listeners who don't know, just let's, can you give us ideas of what you're talking about with respect to paranormal photography? You know, there's, there, there's a lot of speculation about ghosts and orbs and all kinds of things that they can't explain uh, while they're using cameras that they don't fully understand themselves and really it's i think it just boils down to ignorance of the hardware it's just a matter of uh watching television programs perpetuate falsehoods and this is what's causing a lot of the problems now you know what's the use of using cameras on investigations i'm sure there's uses but the you know the, the things that i'm talking about they're specifics that need to be addressed uh, and mostly dismissed, but there there are a few good things to using uh, photography in your work, and we'll cover I mean, all that documentation. Stuff. Yeah, I would say absolutely. That's the number one positive thing right there: documentation. So let's look at okay. So for you know we see it all the time on television. I think that's where a lot of this is is definitely used and I have a lot of pet peeves with what I see on social media that people are posting up as proof as well as what we see on TV. Mm-hmm. My biggest pet peeve is when they claim they see shadows. Mm-hmm. 
using a camera. Shadow. Yeah, using a camera with, with and yeah. then, with a flash. Right. With a flash. And then they're yeah. wondering why there's a shadow. <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> There's a shadow there, man. Yeah. It's These like it's following me. Thought. Um, I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but those many years ago, for me anyway, back around 2005 to 2007, um, the camera companies were coming forward and telling people what's going on and how they're getting all these so-called orb photos because of the way the you know, they were making digital cameras. They were placing the flash too close to the field of view so that every time, you know, something was in a certain distance in between you and whatever it was you were trying to shoot, it would reflect the flash. The flash needed to be mounted further away from, you know, where it was on the camera. And that was all made, you know, public available information. You could find it on the Kodak website. And I think the Sony, I think they had it on there too. But nobody seemed to really care about, that that was the explanation for everything that the people who actually make the damn cameras explained it. Right. And then also, for example, if people don't know what we're talking about with respect to quote unquote orbs, do you remember what was that movie? I see dead people. Uh, (laughs) What's the name of that movie with Bruce Willis and the the, sixth sense, the sixth sense. So the mom is, Towards the end, she, you know, she's looking at the wall full of photos, and then there's these little round circle, iridescent-looking things. Those are called orbs. A lot of uh, paranormal enthusiasts and people who use camera work in their investigations, they, when they take a picture of something, they, if they see this little, you know, iridescent sphere, they're claiming it's an orb, um, which is supposedly capturing the essence of a spirit, or it's a ghost, or blah blah blah. Right. A lot of times that's yeah. dust. It's actually right. dust. It is. 99% of the time it's dust. Absolutely. What about the other 1%? I, I just want to throw it out here. I'm not going to say that orbs don't exist. I'm not going to say that there's nothing to orbs. But what I am going to say, it is it's so easy for you to trick your camera to produce orbs even by accident that any orb in any investigation should be immediately thrown out. Yeah. I would agree. I actually would agree with that. I personally yeah. don't believe in orbs, but in the event of that 1%, you know, if 99% of the time it's bullshit, there's no way to prove that 1%, hey, this is a ghost spirit. I don't know. Right. Right. Why the why the hell would somebody think that a, a little tiny speck orb in your picture would be a spirit anyway? Like I'm confused. Because there's some, seemingly they can't explain how that got into the image. Or people yeah. want to feel like they okay. captured something really special and and meaningful and oh that's grandpa he died three weeks ago oh that's him hanging (laughs) out with the family again speck of dust up there yeah pretty much yeah but it's like paul said you know it's 
these camera, the manufacturers would even post out, you know, ways to avoid this, ways to avoid that. And cleaning your lens sometimes, mm-hmm. a dirty lens could have created something like that, making sure, you know, outdoors is when a lot of people are in old locations on paranormal investigations, they'll post up a lot of teams will post up pictures and they'll say, yep. look at these two orbs in the back. Okay, well, first off, everything was dark until they took that that picture and then it flashed. But if mm-hmm. it's an old, decrepit location, you're going to kick up dust. Am I wrong? Yeah, right. Absolutely right. No, dust you're is everywhere. Totally right. So. No, dust is everywhere. And I always thought it was funny. One of the first few investigations I ever did uh publicly when i first started taking an interest in all this stuff was outdoors and uh they always said you know we we come over here on this hill you know this this graveyard has got a bunch of markers this big old dirty nasty hill we're going to climb up that hill and i guarantee you're going to get a bunch of orbs in your shots oh yeah but uh, you're going to get all the ones you ever wanted to see but you know it's the other side of this coin that i've always found to be a shortcoming of using a digital camera on an investigation is one let's say for the sake of argument that you got that 1 million, you know, odd shot of some person, you can see a person and it could be something possibly construed or interpreted as being a ghost or whatnot. You'll still never know because you've only taken a sliver or moment of time. You don't know what happened the next second, the previous second, previous minute, the next minute, you have no idea what that is because it's not in motion. That'll help you, peel away the levels of uh, pareidolia or, you know, or, or falsehoods and, and trying to identify whatever it is that you're, you're perceiving as being a possible ghost. And so I, I really, I hate digital cameras for that reason. I only use that to document any kind of experiment that I have laid out somewhere. Otherwise I don't use them. It's gotta be a video camera of some kind. Paul, you said digital camera. Is it, is that is that meaning all picture cameras or are you, are you specifically honing down on digital cameras or would like Polaroid cameras be different? It happened in Polaroid cameras as well. I remember that. I would that assume so. Because all a lot of people can do it. Yeah. People I remember in the early 2000s, a lot of people would be so excited. They take all of these pictures and they were just waiting for the film to be de- developed. And then once it got mm-hmm. developed, they'd be like, oh, my God, look at this. We right. got it. We got it. It's the same thing. I mean, the same scenario, that moment in time. And I don't like that guesswork. I agree. I think your, uh, your, your, you know, video camera would be a, a much better asset and tool to use during something like that. Exactly. And then you also have to look at how, when people are doing these investigations and, and I'm sure Paul, you want to go into this particular facet of investigations later on in the season, but It's done completely in the dark, 95% of the time. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you take this picture with a sudden flash. Yep. And and that light anomaly right there is going to come into play because it's just, it's so sudden. It's kind of like when you take a picture of a cat and you get these red devil eyes. Yes. Yes. You have the same, you have the same problem now paul you did mention something and you used a word that i don't think most people understand or even know about and it's pareidolia could you Uh, please explain what visual pareidolia is it's it's the mind's ability to interpret uh different 
um, sensory input, primarily visual uh, input. You know, if you're looking at a, you know, you, some people can look at a pile of sand and you can see faces in it or clouds where you can see bunnies and all that stuff. That's all, you know, how your mind works, uh, trying to interpret what exactly you're seeing, trying to identify or make sense of what it is that you're looking at that could be random or not random. And so, you know, Jesus uh, anytime, in toast. Like, the, yeah. you know, the or Jesus on potato is, chips. <laughs> yes. Uh, I wonder how they tasted. Yeah. Pretty holy. But then uh. also when we're looking up into the sky, oh, you remember when we were kids and you'd be mm. like, oh, I see that in the clouds. And oh, look over right. there. It's a cow. That's visual right. pareidolia. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important. I mean, we all fall victim to it. I mean, audio, you know, the audio version of pareidolia. And it's, I've been blown away by watching some of the videos that I've come across, believe it or not, on TikTok, where they'll say, what are, what are they saying? And they'll have a list of phrases. And I can't figure out which one it is, but yet I can hear them saying the phrase. And, and no matter what, if I look at the answer, that's the answer I hear when I hear the phrase being uh, played across. And so it messes with my head. It makes me wonder, have I got some kind of bias somewhere? How am I get, How do I get around this? How do I prove that this is what I'm listening to? You know, same thing. It's, it's just the audio version. So like with camera work, when people are outside, not only are they risking um, these quote unquote orbs, which dust, mm -hmm. insects, whatever it could be, if it's dark and they're taking a picture out in the distance in a tree line and they catch a wrong shadow, then all of a sudden it's yes. like chupacabra. You know, yes. oh my God, look, we got Bigfoot and Chupacabra and there's the Mothman. And it's just a play on yeah. shadows because it's dark outside. You just took flash photography. You don't even know what's out there. And there's no light right. other than what you just took a picture of. Yeah. And, and now you're dealing with the speed, the relative speed of the flash versus the aperture timing and, and everything of the camera. So it's like, you know, how how long is, is it open so that it can actually, you know, capture the, the, the data for the image versus how far out the light source and the flash got to before, you know, enough uh, shadow play was removed to reveal what it is you're saying. It just leaves a lot of mystery and creates a lot of uh, problems. So why, why do most people go and investigate and take pictures and videos and stuff in the dark? Like it never made any sense to me. Why the hell wouldn't you turn some lights on? Are they afraid the ghosts aren't going to show up if they have lights on? <laughs> It's spookier that way, and that's what yep. most paranormal teams are after is the scare. So no. well, you also, turn your lights off, you know, it gives that nice spook factor in there, and it introduces all sorts of more pareidolias. Yeah, Joe, you're absolutely right. I, I think they like that, uh, that frightful ambiance. But I think the other thing is people are constantly using photography in the hopes of catching the Holy Grail. They want to catch the ghost, you know, yeah. so they couldn't well, catch the ghost with the lights on. Right. That's our thinking. But with <laughs> most because that's how it was popularized. If you think about it, when the shows first started coming out in the early 2000s, you know, ghost adventures, ghost hunters, they did everything in the dark. Because yep. they wanted to recreate the environment in which these things happen. But that didn't even make sense to me when they were saying that. Because I'd be like, well, then how did they see it? If it's completely dark, how would you see a shadow? 
Right. Exactly. And, and then you're going to go and throw a layer of infrared on it. So you're stripping away shadow and looking for shadow. That doesn't make any yeah. sense. Or they'd be outside and they're, and the whole point for them was to use the cameras to document. It's all about document, document, document. Mm-hmm. That, that was what they would use as, and they always use this term evidence. We've got evidence. Yeah. And then they would circle it in on, on TV. Like they'd circle it in <laughs> red, you know, it's right here. Well, if it was yep. so evident, why'd you have to circle it? Paradolia. So, I mean, yeah, if, if I was going to go do an experiment in the lab, you know, I'm pretty sure I would want as much light as possible in there yeah, so I right. can see what the hell I'm doing and what I'm studying. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. experiment depending, if there's something that's light sensitive or something within the experiment, you wouldn't do that. But anyways, even, regardless. Even to this day, uh, I would say 95%, if not more than that, less, I would say about 98, 99% of teams use photography. And, and when we're saying, you know, I think we should also include videography in this because they're using now video footage and and just still cameras as well to document the event in terms of catching and proving the existence of ghosts or bigfoot or whatever it is it's to say that hey don't just take my word for it look this is what we captured on camera well, I sure. don't think it's quite so much that. I mean, I think a lot of it is is these teams, they watch all the shows, and this is where they learn how to do their investigations from sloppy teams that are just in it for the ratings. Right. And that's yeah. what it is. That's, and that's they don't know anything else. Right. You're, you're I right, get a Chuck. video camera. I get a uh, camera. I get a video camera. I get my cell phone. In fact, my cell phone does all of it. So uh, that's... That's my ghost hunting tool right there is my, uh, it's my Samsung, you know? Yeah, it's true. That's very true. And, you know, it's funny with, uh, even with video cameras, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, still shot, um, watching all the videos of people recording, uh, things in the dark lights, uh, and, and, uh, webs, especially spider webs that are floating around in the air and things like that, you know, and listening to all this. And then they can't see that stuff. Of course, you know, you're not going to see it with the naked eye. Obviously you turn the light on, you're not going to see it, but you'll see it when it's reflecting that IR, you know, the infrared, you know, little things like that. So even with, you know, your video camera, you're still going to get misidentified things. And you, you know, you have to, as someone who's new to the field and using that particular hardware, you've got to become, acclimated to things that are going to, you know, what they look like in the dark, things you, you don't realize it, what they look like in the dark. And so you have to get all that stuff and, and uh, become familiar with it. So you can start knocking down all these false positives. You know, it's so funny because, um, you know, discovery channel or no, it, or what was it before destination America before, mm-hmm. and now it's a and they are, they pump out, and travel channel that's the one i was thinking show oh, yeah. after show after show <laughs> and so they all say the same thing where it's a ghost hunters tech guide and they explain under visual and this is a quote from the a and e site page it says visual technology for spotting a glimpse of the afterlife comes in many forms whether it's a shadowy figure captured in a photo or burst of movement on infrared video the most intriguing evidence of life after death is visual 
And hence, that's why a lot mm-hmm. of these teams are using cameras and infrared and photography because the whole mm-hmm. they're what they're trying to do is find the uh, prove it the existence mm-hmm. of ghosts with these things, but they never acknowledge the environmental factors, speed right. apertures, the type of camera that you're using, and how that affects right. the visual output. I mean, you know how like they uh, sometimes will show up a picture and it's like the smear of light on there. Oh, yeah. Yes. Light. Oh, yeah. Light dragging. Yes. And they say, well, that's the, the spirit moving, blah, blah, blah. Well, Kenny Biddle, the uh, photographer, has done a lot of experiments with that. My brother has also uh, on his photography page, he actually turns it into art. It's not a spirit. It's just, you know, the way the, they can do that. It's, right. It's a byproduct method. I, I don't, I'm not technical like that, but when you consistently have people and photographers, not quote unquote paranormal investigators, explaining how this stuff is done, it bothers me that these teams are not providing this alternate um, possible explanation or even how mm-hmm. a camera would work. You know, yeah. they're not yeah. there to me. I don't see a point in using photography as a means of capturing a spirit because there's just too many ifs. Okay. I'll throw this out. Now I started doing what I call the work in 2005. I still do it to this day. Occasionally I get to go out and I go out and do my thing. The number of times I've recorded any kind of paranormal, anything on video. Okay. Anything. So far, zero, not one time. Same. This stuff is extremely rare. Yeah. You know, so I use all my cameras for documenting, you know. And that's and, how MVP does it, you know, with, from day one. Like if you ask, mm-hmm. like, I think Joe sets up our talk in the camera in the perfect way. Um, and, and I don't know how you come up with it, Joe, but if you wouldn't mind giving a breakdown of how we use our photography. Well, um, when I first joined MVP, it was you, Mel, who uh, brought up to me that it seemed like any time we brought a camera in the room, um, any sort of activity or EVPs, everything would just die. These things are very intelligent. They don't want to be seen. I mean, if they want to be seen, they can make their present known. But they don't want someone trudging around their home going, huh, huh, what, will you pose for me there? Huh, can you make a silly face? Huh. Right. It's retarded. So all I do when I'm setting up our cameras is I set them up at all the entrance and exit points of the building. That way I can see if anybody came or left the building. So if we do start hearing something going on, um, we can immediately go check the footage. Has anyone broken into the building? Are they screwing with us? Um, has any of our own guys left the building? Because we don't know where Tom was at this time. I'm not sure who Tom is. I just made him up. I thought it was Billy Bob Method. A Billy Bob Method. I love him. Mm. He, he's good for cuddles. Um, okay. 
<laughs> disturbing. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it when when you know uh, I had talked to you all about that and found out that method, that particular method. I thought that's fantastic. I mean, for for a group scenario that you could you can't beat it. I mean, because you're covering everything, you're making sure everything is pristine. All of all of your your experiments are preserved. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and, we, I, and I can go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just to say, I just I just thought it was the, the coolest thing to know that a group is taking the extra steps out there to preserve the site and to make sure that they're not having anybody wander in, homeless or otherwise. You know, it could be anybody even owns a location. It's not going to accidentally ruin an experiment just because they wanted to find out what you were doing or they were curious. And so, you know, uh, it just it takes so much out of the guesswork when you're reviewing. Yeah, we the whole point of us to use video and and photography is for the photography is for documentation before and after. You know, we take pictures of everything at a site. Um, mm -hmm. And then the video footage is for accountability because we also have it on ourselves to say, hey, did you move? Because if there's a claim, we got to know, OK, we got to see what was going on. Anybody come in or out? Or did anybody move in the room or anybody open their mouth? You know, so we don't use it to catch the Holy Grail. And and I don't believe in doing it that way. Right. So I go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to I was just agreeing with her is all I was doing. So I'm, I'm going to hear what you have to say. Uh, well, Joe brought up an interesting point a minute ago about um bringing cameras and video cameras and stuff into a location and then all activity ceases or, or, you know, or, or stops or slows down or whatever. Oh, yeah. um, can we dive into that a little bit more? Because that's something that's always been confusing to me. I don't truly understand that. And I don't, it, it seems like that would present, um, the ability to what. have lots of false claims in, in, in teams and stuff like that. If that were the, you know, I'll be honest with you. That's going to be uh, covered. A lot of that cover uh, is going to be covered. You know, the uh, I call it psychology of paranormal research. Um, and I'd like to cover that really deeply in depth because it plays a large part in a lot of the methods that I developed. Um, okay. And uh, what I'll what I can do is outside of this this podcast, I'll uh, I'll give you some food for thought that'll blow your mind. I like it. Sounds good. So, I can wait. But I do think, I Paul, if you wouldn't mind, I do think um, there is some stuff that we could address that Evan brought up is because it's something that's always that is the whole reason why I said, what is the point of using cameras and videos mm -hmm. um, is that it is true. Like you'll hear noises or you'll see things happen visually, but then the minute you try and document it on camera or something else like that, never, it, it's, it suddenly stops. Now I'm not one to say it's because they're intelligent or they're trying to avoid a camera because mm -hmm. then my whole thing is how would they, let's say if it's someone who, or something that died in the, in the 1700s or it's a native american burial ground oh boy how the fuck would they even know what a camera or a you know camper right. whatever it is how would they even know how it works 
Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't even know what it is. Yeah. So why would That's, they avoid it if they don't even know what it is? And that, that would be one of those things where it kind of makes you ponder the whole possibility of what a, a spirit does when they have nothing but time on their hands and no life to live. You know, would they hang around and, and see all the changes that take place in the world and watch uh, technological developments, et cetera, et cetera? I don't know. It's a thought. It's not necessarily the answer, but that's that all ties into the whole notion of what do you do when you're when you when you're gone, when you're a spirit and you have nothing else left to do. And you can, you can wander the universe if you want, or you can just hang out or visit people or travel or do whatever, you know, whatever you want. Well, here's my thing is you're going to have a camera out. You're going to be sitting there looking around with it and whatnot. You don't think Mm -hmm. that ghost has the ability to look over your shoulder and go, huh, that's showing an image of what it's looking at. This thing must be doing, taking some sort of recording. What if it's a tiny little hidden spy camera that's just mounted on your button on your fucking jacket? Or like us. (laughs) Yeah, we use police cams. How would they know what that is? It's not showing a digital image or anything. Uh-uh. That's just a matter of did somebody open their mouth and spoil it? And like we you use, I mean? uh, you know, night vision cameras um, that don't display what it is right there. Mm-hmm. We use still cameras that go into something else and it just records it. So they're not even seeing uh, the images that it's recording. We don't even mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we actually have to go back, actually not every single time that we use this stuff, we do the tedious work of having to go back and review the footage. Yep. Well, I want to take a little side note here and I want to touch on what uh, um, Paul just said about did someone say something spill the beans? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a little pro tip out there. Because what we've always done with um, when it came to residentials is they call us up with the problem. First thing we tell them is, hey, take this call outside. Get away from your house or wherever this the paranormal activity is going on. I want you to get away from that area and then talk to us because we don't want them to listen to what we're talking about. We don't want them to have a heads up on what's going on. Um, we would do a lot of undercover work. We would come in and we would actually dress up as something like a uh, handyman. Electric, yeah. Uh, what one was also uh, the lady in the house? Um, people with like the electric company or uh, electricians. I mean, the electric company. Really, seriously, Melanie. The electric company yeah no electricians or plumbers or something like that or we get or just friends of the family with a hidden camera in the bear or something else like that you know and it's not necessarily because we believe that there is a quote-unquote entity or ghost there it's you gotta you know handle all things and err on the side of caution so let's say there is something there um and it is intelligent and it can hear us. We don't want to, you know, play all our, lay all our cards on the table. So we said, go outside, go somewhere else and talk to us about it. For me, it's always been about the art of creating curiosity because if whatever is there on the location uh, has to encounter you. And if you just step into their shoes for a minute, you have to say, Am I going to be comfortable with a bunch of new people I don't know in my house? 
I may be dead, but this, this was my house. Maybe I still think it is. So if I knew up front that you're coming through the door and you're ghost hunters and stuff like that, you're basically coming to look for me. I'm probably going to get defensive and go away and make it no more difficult. It's, you know, you got to make it sweet. You know, you got to draw them out. So you don't want to let them know who you are. Let them want to get up close to you and find out what's going on. And maybe you have a chance at randomly catching voices or something. Yeah, that's it. That's how we kind of approach it. And again, it's not necessarily saying we, I mean, because also we've got to, to us, it's not, there is something there. We always approach new cases as if it's, it's just a claim. So it's like if you are going out on mission and you hear that there are insurgents here, you hear that there's this group there, you don't want to just go out to the, you know, the, the people of that of that town or village and just say, hey, all right, we're going to hide this here and here and here. Uh-huh. And that way we can monitor and track how they work and then we'll devise a plan from there. You don't, you kind of want to just take everything with a grain of salt at first, but you want to be precautious and say, okay, what if there is one of them amongst all these people? We don't want to, you know, let them know our plans. So you, you just, it's about being tactical about your situation and about your approach of the investigation, especially if you're going to use something like photography or audio or, or cameras, because Mm -hmm. also for the people who are making claims, if we go through and we, of course we first get permission or if it's a pay to play place, we take a camera and as we're doing our, our initial walkthrough to clear the house, we're snapping photos everywhere because Mm -hmm. What if during the investigation, there's someone moving shit around from there? Or what if there's something from the get-go that we see, wait a minute, I bet you this could do this. You know, you got to document, you got to document that shit that way. Because let's be, let's be real. These pay-to-play places, the whole point is for them to make money. Yes. And you may not see something right away, but later on, as you're reviewing your film footage or you're looking at the pictures, you're like, holy shit, look at this right here. Mm -hmm. Because you're doing a walkthrough, you're going quick, and they usually don't let you start investigating or get on site until it's a little bit dark. Right. So when when you go into a place, Paul and, and Mel, do you guys automatically like... On an investigation, not just investig, not just talking about or looking at a claim, but on an actual investigation, do you automatically assume that you're dealing with intelligent entities that would be able to see cameras and listen to what you're saying and understand what you're saying and things like that? If if you were to approach it in a different manner, you're probably knocking yourself out of an opportunity. And honestly, I would rather you know play like it, it's legitimate because I'd rather have it be wrong. And me just go, oh, well, nothing here. Then for there to possibly be a chance for me to catch something. And because I wasn't stealthy enough, I lost it. I agree. I I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good way to approach things is assuming that you're dealing with the most intelligent being in the room. You know, and if you're wrong, you're wrong. I don't necessarily approach it that way. I approach for some reason, my mind is always if. 
if there is something here, then okay. But I also don't exclude the fact that, you know, if there's not. So for me, I'm very analytical like that in that I approach everything as, as, as if an, I don't know, but I just don't want to, um, drop my load and let everybody know what's going on. And that includes whether it is uh, paranormal or the human factor. Yeah. Now that's, I don't know if I came across with a different type of answer, but that is what I'm, what I'm essentially trying to say. I'm, I'm not saying that I, I myself wholeheartedly believe that every investigation is haunted. If that's what, you know, if that came across, it's not it. It's just, I have to go in with the mindset of treat it as it is legit mm-hmm. and, and and handle everything accordingly and then find out later on if it actually is. And I think the reason why I approach it that the, in the manner that I do is because I distrust humans more than mm. I would an actual ghost. I think that more people want to believe that something's there or they want you to believe some things there and they're just looking for compliment uh, confirmation bias that they would go to great lengths to make it that way, especially for pay to play locations, which are the public locations. Um, yes. So I am more skeptical of letting them know what I'm up to than mm-hmm. I would be a ghost. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's how yeah. I would approach it is as if it's, okay, whoever owns this location, I don't want them to know what I'm up to or what my plans are or why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. So I, I used to go in, I'm just going to say, I used to go in and with the team that I had at the time, I often didn't even fill the team in with half of the information so that they couldn't have any kind of a bias in looking for certain things. I actually would keep certain aspects away from them just so I knew I had that extra layer. And I mean, I know that's probably a little uh, wishy-washy, but it was just how I wanted to try and, you know, see whether or not uh, if there's something in a, in, 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 a, in a location that let's say for the sake of weirdness, uh, when you pass away, you can communicate with each other through your, you know, your thoughts. Um, if something could come up to us and read our thoughts while we're getting things together, well, there's all the surprises are gone. So if, you know, half my team doesn't know what's going to go on or because they don't have the information, maybe that increases my chances of being able to surprise whatever's there. Seems really goofy and corny, but no, it doesn't because that's how MVP has always operated. We always have at least one person going in blind, meaning Mm -hmm. they don't even know where we're going. They don't know any background. They don't know the claims. They don't know anything at all. And Uh the whole point is to remove any confirmation bias when Mm -hmm. reviewing the data, um, as well as, you know, when, if there's photographs, Um, Mm -hmm. that was the other thing that I thought of. We don't just take pictures inside. We take pictures outside the location as well. Everything around Mm -hmm. it, you know, what's the neighborhood like? Are there wires going to this house? What are the trees like? You know, things like that. Even video footage would help with that because it'll document the type of ambient noises you're going to come across, how busy roads are. Is there a yeah. train right by here? How often it comes by? And that's going to mm-hmm. help. So that's you know, how that was, we use it. You actually brought up another aspect of the whole documentation that matters a lot. And it was interesting how you used to describe this stuff to me back in the day when we first kind of, you know, everything was new between us. And that was uh, 
becoming familiar with your environmental sounds. You know, you record things, they sound differently on audio versus, you know, you listening to the people, you know, yourself. Um, right. And how, you know, how you interpret those, those different altered sounds mechanically versus, you know, with your own ears. And that was a very important point and documenting it uh, by using your voice and stuff like you used to tell me, you know, you had, everybody would announce their voice so you could get familiar with their voices and voice sampling and, and noise sampling and, and the environment, which is fantastic. And you got to have something to record that with. So, you know, there you go, audio or video or something. Because that way you have a comparison. Yeah, comparison. If it, it, you know, people don't realize in your head you think you sound one way, but mm-hmm. then when you play it back on, uh, for example, when you're reviewing uh, video footage, you actually sound different. Yeah, you and have the sexy voice. Not <laughs> <laughs> so <But> sexy. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so it's. The same thing with movement of things. It, mm-hmm. You know, when we went to, um, what was the, the Bell, the Bell Witch area mm. in Adams, the Bell Witch Caves and things like that, people didn't realize, wait a minute, they didn't see a speaker up in here or wait a minute, they didn't see this little small microphone there. How do you know that's not pumping out an echo? They didn't see, hey, this faucet's leaking over here. Right. And you can go back and you can say, you know, if they don't have this documentation, either on film or on video footage, you'd miss it. And you'd say, well, there was no way we and nobody was we were all looking at each other. No one said anything. And then we heard this happen. Well, you know, there's this broomstick or a chair right by an open door that's in a wind tunnel and it's lightweight and look here on camera we heard the the wind blow you see the wind blow outside and then look at the chair it just moved you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. that's how i think video and photography should be used in paranormal locations and less about catching the holy grail because if any you know that's been done for a God knows how how long. And guess what? Mm-hmm. No one's come up with the Holy Grail. No one's been nope. able to prove the existence of anything using nope. photography or, or video footage. And that's why I think a lot of people need to move on. But the problem we have in the, in the paranormal is for every bunch of people who have been in it for a number of years and have reached the point where they're like, OK, I'm kind of done with this. I'm moving on. Then you get new people who come into the field and it starts right over again. You know, it becomes this endless circle. Day. Yeah, it's it's an a, an unbroken circle. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, it, that's the best way to put it. Same old shit, different day. And then mm-hmm. what will end up happening is there'll be a new show where they're using this new you know toy that sold on a ghost store site or Linky a lights. cell phone. Yeah, and you know what, ladies and gentlemen. Please stop using your cell phone to, quote unquote, prove the existence of anything saying, look at I caught it on my cell phone. Look at this image on my cell phone or look, I was I was recording this when it happened. I I don't know why you think that your cell phones uh, can't create errors or don't have any other components components that can create things I, I i i mean because also with the advent of what is it 
Photoshop. Um, shit, and just look at these- like the Snapchat filters they have now. You could put a fucking ghost oh, in yeah. the background with that shit easily. Exactly. That was rampant. Exactly. So then what is the point now of using any kind of photography or video footage to prove the essence of anything when now it can be so it can be edited while you're still in the car? I don't think there is a point. I think it. I don't think there's a point to using it to prove. I think it's much better, like you said, to use it to disprove. Yeah. Or at least document where you guys are. Or well, at the very least, the environment. Yeah, but absolutely. I, I that's why anybody says, "Look, I captured this on my cell phone." I'll tell them to, you know, yeah, don't even bother. Have you guys heard of the acoustic cameras? Yes, sir. We we looked into that a while back. Didn't yeah, we, you Jeff? and me did. Those things are sick. If you want a powerful debunking tool, I think that would be it. Hmm. Which one You're- is that, Joe? Okay, so it's a camera, and it actually has an array of, I think it's like 96 um, uh, microphones on it. They're all directional mics. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's got a camera on it. And when you look out into the room with this camera, it's detecting sounds. And wherever sounds are coming from, it gives an overlay over top of the uh, digital picture that you're looking at. So if you're trying to figure out, well, where this, where's the sound coming from, you can just pull out this camera, look around, and it's going to pinpoint right where the sound's coming from, or at least give cool. you a general idea. It's really cool. It like puts a ping on the screen where, where sounds are coming from, essentially. And uh, it's, it's a really neat tool. That, that was funny. I was working on a, on a piece of hardware using uh, uh, an array of microphones that went completely 360 around a central post. And I was going to use timing methods to see exactly where the sound is triggering and hitting the microphone first so I could tell possibly which direction it came from. But this is miles beyond anything better than I could do. It's a very unique piece of equipment. I, I wish we could get our hands on one. Now, I would say God. one thing in caution. I would not intentionally enter a site or a location with the per- and using photography with the mindset, initial mindset of saying, I'm going to use this camera and I'm going to use this video footage to prove that none of this is true, because then you're also going to be entering in with some sort of confirmation bias. Yes. Um, yes. I think it's important to say to use it for comparison rather than to prove or to go in to say, okay, the whole purpose of this is to mm-hmm. do this. Cause it, you could confirmation bias goes both ways to sure. when you're looking for stuff to prove. And when you're looking for stuff to debunk, mm-hmm. you just have to use it and say, Hey, I'm going to bring this camera and, and these uh, digital cameras and videos for documentation purposes to see where mm-hmm. we are, what our environment's like, to check out how was it before, if anything moved, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you. Well, there's, I mean, also I... been, there's also been certain situations. Uh, Mel, do you remember when we did that EVP session and we got the horny ghost? who was uh, communicating with us in Knox. 
and we could hear it move these knocks moving closer and closer into the room yeah. and then we could start hearing it move around the room how yeah. cool would that acoustic camera have been to be able oh, okay yeah. it's right there right now okay now it's knocking here right now it's knocking here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it and for people who are wondering, no, it wasn't the simple one knock. It was in specific patterns that we would put out, so so we could eliminate, um, you know, just random noises. There was specific patterns to it, and and it for, would confirm. Yeah, and for and rec- it wanted Mel to do the sexy dance. That was disturbing, and that was only because you asked that question, you dick. But I was just continuing the line of questioning, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and keep in mind, we don't do our investigations in the dark. <laughs> we always have light because mm-hmm. and we have to always have eyes on each other and we don't move because we need that accountability. So we need to see. Yeah, we got to see. That was another thing. What I always wondered, how do you see a shadow in the dark? And when Mm. all of these things happen, nobody says that they were in pitch black. Right. They can always tell you where they were and what they saw, which means there had to have been some light. I I don't get it. Now, what I will say that I do find intriguing is security cameras on locations and then you see things move you know because in the security cameras it's to protect like a business or something else like that and mm-hmm. they have the time stamp on there as well as the date or police body cams which is what we use on our person because they can't be altered because it's got to be able to be used in court the ones that we mm-hmm. use those when i when i'm reviewing footage and i see things move or you know, anomalies to me are far more intriguing because the whole point of those cameras being put up is not for an investigation purposes. It's just, you know, to me, those are like, well, shit, you might get, you might done got something there. Right. And yeah, I did say Mike gun dot. Mike gun. You still got the Tennessee in you. Yeah. uh, You might done got something there. That's right. You done got it. Uh, well, I, I would say that's quite a bit of information concerning photography. Yeah. I think think about the only thing we never really brought up was ectoplasm shots with, you know, fogging effects and moisture and crap like that. But I don't know if that needs to be. Yeah. Ew, I hate that word. I don't even know why. So one more thing I wanted to bring up was was the use of uh, you know night vision and thermal cameras. You know we didn't Mm -hmm. we didn't hit too much on that. Layers. Yeah, like like an actual real deal thermal white hot black hot or you know multicolor FLIR camera. Well, the problem I think is is that a lot of these ghost hunting teams don't, and I say ghost hunting, not paranormal research teams, have people that are operating these that don't really understand how to actually use them. They've never been trained on how to use them. Or how they actually work. Yeah, right. that's a big component of it. If you've not actually been trained on it, how can you sit there and say, oh, no, well, I use this with a FLIR camera. Well, do you even know how to read the data? And do you know how to operate it or 
that sort of thing. It, it makes a difference. It's not as simple as look what we caught. Here's a heat signature. Well, yeah. You know, listen, fuck, fuck. It's not that simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I just looked at it as a very, very overpriced, uh, cute toy to play with. I mean, I don't see ghosts having enough substance to them, at least in my mind. And I don't have all the answers, of course, but I don't think there's enough substance to whatever these things are to be able to pick them up on thermal. Now, can they, they affect can change the temperature, the ambient temperature in the room and in, in places, and that could be picked up on a thermal camera? I have different thoughts about that, but I honestly don't think I think cold spots and hot spots are all psychological. I think it's all bullshit. I think it's because mostly body, environmental. Yeah, but um, you know, it's, it's it, that's I, it. Yeah, I'm not real. You know, it's it's. I'm not real savvy with the flurs, but don't flurs detect surface temperatures? Not that's it. It surface. goes off of black body radiation that's being emitted. Right. But I mean, as a human being, it's going to be able to pick up the surface temperature of our bodies as well. But if you don't have a body, you're not going to pick up shit. Right. <laughs> so, and then you know, you know what's crazy is nobody does a walkthrough with the flares or the thermal cameras, what have you. Before the investigation even starts, right. you notice that. Yeah, I think it's great to find raccoons and shit like the last investigation I was with y'all on. Quit smiling, you idiot! You're supposed to be a professional. You gotta be kidding! Oh yeah, <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> he was but, an angry shit. cuddler. But if <laughs> it's disturbing, <laughs> if if you don't do the walkthrough with it first, then mm-hmm. how are you to say that this is an anomaly? How do you know it wasn't there before or any conditions that could have affected or caused this before? I think that's the the biggest importance of doing that pre-investigation walkthrough for accountability's sake, you know, of what's already in the building, what's already happening in the site, you know, what's sure what sounds it's naturally making without you being in there. Mm -hmm. Did you just Mm -hmm. say accountability? (laughs) I don't know. My internet kind of kind of reminded me of of facility. Or it's been six months in a correctional facility. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Sorry for the glitchiness, uh, folks. Sorry. I'm surprised I didn't say it wrong. Paul, well, I will say you. I'm I'm sorry you're sick. It's obvious that you've got a cold or a flu or something else, whatever's going on with you. But your voice is much deeper. Yes. Much deeper. So we're going to need some video footage just to prove that this is actually you. Picks or it doesn't count. Should I sing a song? You'll never find. That's, that? wow. wow. Another that love was... like mine. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just got tighter. <laughs> uh, it's so weird. Uh, you know, when I come down with this crap, this crud, it takes, it's, it's a seasonal thing. I think, it, I think we all get it and it just sets in my head and, and my throat and, and just, it's, it's just a fun fest. <laughs> it's just in your throat. You know, don't take it there. Don't take it there. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and on that note, let's close this on out, Paul. Ah, okay, let me find my outro here. All right, that's <laughs> it for today's episode. Join us next week as we discuss EMF on investigations. Until then, take all you've learned tonight and use it wisely. Good night. <laughs>